0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithloday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers. Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, Glad to hear it. The uh, last time we talked, uh, uh, the... The, the women of Oregon cross country and one man uh, was heading off to Virginia for the nationals. Uh, you know, j- just before we started recording uh, uh, you'd been uh, following the cross country team for some time and, and uh, uh, wanted to mention that they, uh, they finished 10th place in, uh, in Virginia nationally. Not, not half bad,
1: not a bad finish at all. Izzy Thornton bought was actually the top finisher on the team came in at 40th overall. Um, so definitely a, a, uh, impressive performance. That's actually an all American level finish. So, yeah, um, no way bad. to go. Izzy, uh,
0: first, uh, uh, first top 10 finish since the 2018 season. So, uh, cross country team is, is, uh, climbing back uh, in there for uh, since a you know like a five year absence from the national scene, um, you've also been covering the the volleyball team for this site. Um, uh, Oregon is just uh, going to be starting the um, the the NCAA tournament. They're they're hosting one of the sub regionals, um, but uh, just bo- they finished up the regular season in Pac twelve play, and you wrote up those matches against um, USC and Cal uh which they uh they finished the season with right uh USC and Oregon state oh Oregon state it was yes. cal yeah it was cal then usc then then Correct. oregon state that's right uh, yeah, and yeah. i'm
1: pleased to uh you know report that we you know creamed both the university of spoiled children and the little brother from corvallis so that's
0: very good <laughs> uh uh yeah yeah it was uh, i think because of the thanksgiving holiday it was sort of a weird schedule that's what threw me off because the they played usc on a tuesday which is like that's a weird t- t- tuesday for volleyball is like a weird time for doing it um and they you know they rather thrashed usc
1: Yes they did. Uh you know USC did manage to win one set um but you know 3 to 1 you know you love to see a sweep but you also love to see a see a big victory so uh we'll take it.
0: Um, but like in two of the sets including the first one they just came out you know. Oh yeah. Just it, I mean they they won the first set 25 to 14. Um just like and and Oregon had sort of had a problem at points during the season. When playing at home uh, of like having some slow starts or getting feeling like weirdly jittery, you know, at Matthew Knight Arena Mm -hmm. and uh, definitely not the case here. You know, they, you know, just they just like straight up killed them, you know, in the first set.
1: Yes. And then uh, they actually forced extra points. On the second set they you know it wasn't like they laid down um, Mm -hmm. after that (laughs) and then they got mad like they love to do yeah 25 16 in the third set and yeah uh, yeah then come out hard in the in the fourth
0: yeah they they. They came up, they came up to a big early lead in the fourth and they let USC back into it a little bit, but then they finished and it was like, it, it was fairly comfortable for the entire fourth, you know, set and they put them away. Like, it, you know, there was really sort of like, I don't want to say no sweat, you know, cause they were playing hard, but like at no point did you ever really feel like USC was threatening them. Like, which is ha- you know, that's it. That's how you want to finish, you know, uh, your season. Uh, uh, Mimi Collier, you know, played a great match, right? You know, 11 kills. 10 digs um uh, and, and like a pretty similar stat line from gabby uh gonzalez uh as well
1: nine kills eight digs and
0: then you know switches
1: a, switch a stat but similar numbers Kara mcgee coming in with eight kills and seven blocks
0: so uh yeah. No, it's a deep team. You know, uh you know, they can they can rotate pretty well, keep everybody pretty fresh, like they've got um you know, they're they're not just reliant on a particular like starting lineup and then, you know, they have to play the same set all the way through uh uh the match. You know, like they, they it's you know, they, they get starting level, you know, players, you know, running pretty deep, you know, uh, th- threat team. Um, uh, 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 Carson Bacon, who's like very quickly becoming one of my favorite players, you know, on the team, you know, who, who sort of like came out of nowhere too, like, uh, yeah, uh, five kills, three blocks, you know, in, in the match against USC, um, uh, Hannah Pukas, of course, who's like absolutely central, you know, 47 assists. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then Georgia Murphy Libero um, 15 digs, three aces, you know, off the service line too, you know, like, and the Barrow's by definition, not your tallest player. So, so, you know, getting, you know, three service aces is pretty damn impressive.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, USC was playing out without their, uh, leading attacker, Skyler field, no. Skyler fields. But I don't think it would have made a whole lot of difference because yeah. the, the sets were not close enough that I think a, a stronger offensive showing would have made the difference. Um, you even give her back, you know, give them back her f- five kills per set and you still you still have a pretty commanding duck victory.
0: Uh, yeah um your article is a good read too like i think you summarized it well and the 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 clips that you included you know from it uh you know the video clips uh or you know were pretty exciting and fun to watch too so if you missed that one like definitely check out kevin's article um so then uh uh, uh that was senior night um you know the 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 last not not the last they're going to play at matthew Knight arena because like i said they they're they, they're hosting the sub-regionals we'll talk about that in a second but um that that was the last of the regular season so they you know and they had not yet learned their fate uh for the ncaa tournament although it was pretty well understood that oregon was going to be a pretty highly ranked team and was almost certainly going to get you know a, um a sub-regional in fact i I think by some rankings they were the overall number five seed in the country so they just barely probably they just bear and they're the number two seed in their bracket it's just like march madness you know in basketball where it's it's broken into four sort of sub brackets um they're in wisconsin's um you know regionals in so wisconsin is number one oregon is number two um you know within that so if they had just performed a little bit better they probably would have been you know a number one uh seed and they were probably although they don't tell the ncaa doesn't tell you this but they were probably the overall number five seed um so they just barely missed being a regional host um uh, so anyway, um, uh, uh, so they will be playing again in Matthew Knight Arena, um, in fact, later this week, um, but they didn't know that at the time. So they, you know, they used that for senior night uh, against USC, but they still had one more regular season match to play. Against the Beavers, you know, our, our favorite team to beat.
1: Um, yeah. And it was a sweep. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I I don't even think the score, you know, the scores make it look closer than it was. 25, mm-hmm. 18, 25, 20, 25, 20. I, it never seemed in doubt. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I think they were mad to have to go to Corvallis again. It's like, let's, let's get this
0: over with. And I mean, Mimi me, Collier put down, you know, 21 kills. Season know, high. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it, yeah, exactly. Which like <laughs> you know, Mimi Collier puts down a lot of kills. You know, she's stopping herself. That's a hell of a performance.
1: Yeah. And it's it's interesting that while we were all over offensively against USC, we've talked about this before. This team can play a different set. There were 11 team blocks. Yeah. Like this there was a a, a, a more defensive effort on this on this series, you know? So it always kind of a fun way to, to see them, uh, um, change up their play style. Yeah. So that, to
0: take advantage of, you know,
1: what the other team is giving them.
0: Uh, and then a lot of great defensive play too, you know, uh, uh, again, Murphy libero, um, had the most, you know, digs with 12, but Gabby Gonzalez put in 11, um, Uh, You know, seven for for Pukas and uh, and Kara McGee, you know, put put in six blocks. Uh, Bacon put in five, you know, like great defensive play. Um, uh, Yeah, you know, can't say can't say enough about this team. Like, you know, they they really, you know, they went out with a bang, killed their rivals. What else could you possibly ask for? And on their floor, which, yeah
1: yes going yeah going into a hostile territory and and just taking it to them which you know they've shown a tendency to do yeah previously <laughs> you <know>? in, in <laughs> fact, I,
0: I actually think this team's been I, I don't have their schedule right in front of me but i actually think this team's been better on the road than they've been at home like they they lost to stanford and arizona state and washington state at home um I think they only have one conference loss on the road, but I think they have three conference losses at home.
1: Yeah. It, it's kind of, you know, kind of weird. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, easier to get up for a hostile environment, you know? Mm. But I uh, yeah, I don't about know the tournament. I I'm really excited about this tournament. I'm expecting a very deep run. Have you looked at the bracket yet?
0: Uh I've I've looked at the first round of it. They get uh Southeast Louisiana in the first round. Uh that's on Thursday the 30th. Mm-hmm. Um it's a night game. It's like 7 p.m. Um and uh uh, uh that that Oregon is pretty heavily f- favored in. Um, I mean, you don't make the tournament if you're a bad team, but, uh, you know, Oregon is still, you know, favored pretty heavily. Um, And then uh, assuming that they win that one, they uh, they they would take on in the second round the next day, Friday the 1st. which unfortunately, there's there's quite a bit of competition that day, you know, for for Oregon sports fans' attention. Um, <laughs> right, that's the football is, is there, conference. Is there something else going
1: game. on on Friday?
0: <laughs> there's uh, actually quite a bit. It's an it, it's that uh, the football conference championship game, and there's a basketball game. Um, uh, so I don't know, man. Who who's scheduling this stuff is uh, 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 not giving us a break. So we're. Um, uh, oh no, the basketball games on Saturday. Sorry, yeah, We're, we'll we'll cover that. Um, Uh, there, there's a men's basketball game on Saturday and a women's basketball game on, on Sunday, but it's, you know, it's Michigan on, on, on Saturday for the men and it's, uh, Baylor on Sunday for the women. So, you know, we're, we're all hands on deck covering, you know, football and then women's volleyball and then men's basketball and then women's basketball. Oh yeah. And there's the track and field opener and track and field, as you may know, is somewhat popular, uh, at, uh, the university of Oregon. Uh, you may have heard, um, so, We've got yeah, a few runners, yeah, <laughs> a couple. Um, so yeah, all hands on deck, uh, for Oregon this weekend. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, and and uh, anyway, so assuming that Oregon defeats uh, Southeast Louisiana, the round two, uh, which they will also host, uh, would be against the winner of um, uh, uh Iowa State, Iowa or State Hawaii. Hawaii right and actually that match um happens before the oregon versus southeast louisiana match at 7 p.m The the iowa state versus hawaii match takes place at 4 p.m so actually oregon will know their uh their 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 opponent before they even play i mean assuming that they they win um uh i don't believe they played iowa state during the regular season but they did play hawaii um in fact they they went to hawaii right correct we went to the invitational out in hawaii uh uh where you've spent some time haven't you i i actually went to college at the university of hawaii yes did, did uh, you watch any women's volleyball while you were there I was on the cheerleading team, so
1: I watched a lot of every sport. Oh, so. very good. <laughs> uh, but you know, we did we did go into Hawaii's home arena and sweep them. So um, I, I'm liking our odds if if Hawaii comes through against Iowa State.
0: Uh, yeah, Oregon really dominated the entire Hawaii Invitational. Actually, it was sort of like went went to their house and burned it down.
1: <laughs> yeah, all three matches or three matches, three sweeps
0: yeah yeah um so yeah uh uh so that you know that should be a good i, I don't want to call it a gimme, but like uh and Iowa state is the of course they' are the seven seed in the in the regional, right? That's why they would be playing Oregon as the two seed. So, you know, probably nothing to, to sneeze at, but I've, you know, I checked out their schedule. They, they, you know, I think their best win is that they split their series with uh, with Kansas, um, which was uh, at the time they played them, the, the 14th ranked team, they got a three to two match victory over Kansas, but otherwise they uh, they, they didn't get any, I think, were any ranked wins over the course of the season. They didn't really challenge them themselves in the at a conference um so iowa state's you know probably not and it's not like i went and did a bunch of film study on iowa state you yeah, sorry um i i've had a couple of other projects I'm so disappointed i i know i want to
1: i, um, I want to see that you know tomorrow morning let's see some film study
0: yeah um, on, a, on a potential opponent <laughs> But uh, but then that would be it for the volleyball team for for that weekend. They they would then have the next couple of days off, and they wouldn't take up again until the following weekend of the eighth. Um, although we don't know exactly what that schedule would be yet, they they don't announce that until a little bit later. Um, whether it would be like you know Thursday the seventh or Friday the eighth or, or Saturday the 9th or, or whatever, we, we will keep you posted on that, listener. Um, the uh, uh, and uh, Badwaters has uh, told me that he's, um, he's going to be there live and in person. We, we also don't know yet. They haven't announced it, what the television coverage, if any, is going to be. Um, we're, we're tracking that one like a hawk. Uh, and as, as soon as they tell us, we will, um, we'll, we'll get that posted on the scheduling post on the site, um, to let people know, uh, you know, what they can follow it. And if it is not televised, uh, you better believe that Badwater will have, you know, a bunch of, um, uh, photos and video and so forth uh, in, in his article um, I about currently it show
1: because... it as being on ESPN plus
0: oh nice okay uh, uh, great so uh, yeah uh, plenty of coverage for the volleyball team uh, alright uh, anything else you, you want to add about that uh, get out and watch some volleyball Thursday night Matthew Knight
1: Arena 7pm get out and support your duck ladies there's still tickets
0: available all right uh, there are, and, uh, they're pretty affordable. Last I saw, I think, uh, they were going for 11 bucks. Um, uh, it was a good ticket. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about, uh, one of your many passion projects, uh, uh football, <laughs> uh, career records. Uh, so uh, somehow you sold me on this project. Uh, y- even though we we're covering like twelve different sports going down to the wire here, uh, uh we're gonna be uh covering uh, something to do with uh career records, transfers, and the coronavirus, uh, which sounds absolutely thrilling, Kevin. <laughs> uh, uh, it should be going up about the same time that this podcast does. Uh, what do readers have in store?
1: Uh, well, you, you're going to experience the, uh, caffeine fueled rant about how so many career records are getting broken and they all are going to have an asterisk by them. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of something that I, that I've had kicking around in the back of my head ever since, uh, I've honestly, I think it was since Joe Burrow showed up at LSU, um. It's just with the the transfer portal working the way it does and uh, players moving around, it gets harder and harder to to keep track of where records exist. You might remember one of my earlier rants about um, uh, how we keep track of school records with divisions changing and conference mm-hmm. realignment well now when you take a player who uh, who plays three years at one school and then transfers and plays another year somewhere else or two with the covid year you have people racking up some some gaudy stats um our very own bo nicks is a, a benefactor of this um unlike several transfers uh, I'll go back to Joe Burrow, who I think his greatest achievement at Ohio state was making sure that the Gatorade was full when they threw it on Ryan day, Mm -hmm. um, then goes to LSU and has, has an okay time. Bo Nix was a three year starter at Auburn before coming to Oregon. And he has lit it up in the Pac 12. Um, if you amalgamate his career stats, which I am the kind of nerd that does, um, uh, 14,750 passing yards, 105 touchdowns, uh, which would put him first place in both categories at either Auburn or Oregon. Um But does he get to be on those record on those mm. record boards? Um, you know, it's it's the the things like do we get to claim what he did before, or does Auburn get to claim what he did after? Though to be fair, at both schools, he will be number three in passing yards all-time career. Both schools. Hmm. Um he, he currently Meaning number three. Even
0: if his entire career is only counted. with
1: no, only with what he did at each school. Oh, I see. His three years at Auburn, uh 7,251 yards, third place, uh, on their career passing and uh his Oregon numbers, even though it's only two years, he's currently sitting in sixth place. Um, He's 231 yards behind Bill Musgrave, who's sitting in third place. And he should have that by midway through the second quarter on Friday.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: (laughs) So uh, I don't think he's going to, he's going to jump. He has currently has 7,500 yards at Oregon in two seasons, mind you. Um, Justin Herbert, 10,500 in four seasons marcus mariotta seven
0: eight hundred, uh, give or take uh, well herbert's three. i mean herbert you're right is four seasons but it's like two half two seasons. and a half and well i mean thrown
1: it's, in halfway through his for his freshman year and then yeah and first.
0: then he missed half of the 2017 season with that collarbone injury mm-hmm. so it's you know really if you you know it's more like three seasons worth of games, even though it, was, it happened over four years.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and there's, and I, I will go into my nerd hole and talk about, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's best season at Oregon was 2019 with 3,471 passing yards. Um, Bo Nix this year has what's 3,900. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So Bo Nix's best year Better than uh, Herbert's best year Matter of fact his last year Was also better than Herbert's best year So um, I I will go out On the limb I will die on the hill Bo Nix is the best quarterback In the history of the University of Oregon And
0: Hmm.
1: Auburn And Hmm. I will I will will nerd out on the Stats that back it up
0: So are are you only going to discuss quarterbacks In your article
1: uh, I I linger on quarterbacks. I do also mention a few receivers. Um, you know, Oregon hasn't been as much of a benefactor of big play receivers as you know someone who wins a Blitnikoff and then takes a paycheck. <coughs> I mean, vacation to California and goes plays another year at USC. Mm. Um, so I I do talk about a few other skill position players who have. Uh, taken advantage of transfers to go and do big things at other schools. I mean, Bucky Irving is a transfer. He was at Western Kentucky. He came to Oregon, but no, no, that's uh, no
0: Whittington uh, Irving. Was sorry. In Minnesota. No, Whitting-
1: no Whittington was Western Kentucky. Bucky Irving was Wisconsin.
0: No, no Minnesota, No,
1: Minnesota. Sorry. Ah, he, my brain. he couldn't be,
0: he had to, he had to go by Bucky. his,
1: he couldn't be. Yeah. Bucky. He
0: couldn't be Bucky. Yeah. He had to go by Marquis. Yeah.
1: Uh, so yes, I do mention both of them as well. Um, again, you know, it comes back to, you're going to have people putting up uh, gaudy career numbers that are, many of them are fifth year players. Um, Mm -hmm. And realistically speaking, if you take Bo Nix's average over his five years, remember he did a whole heck of a lot better at Oregon than he ever did at Auburn. Um, Tell me. uh, If you take his average yards per year uh, and subtract it off of his total, he still has more yards in those four years enough to be first place at either school career passing yards, even take his best year away. Um, remember his best year is this year and he's still got at least two more games to play. So
0: the interesting thing to me about certain positions like over time is that like, there are certain like running backs, for example, tend not to get much better longer in the tooth that they are you know they Mm -hmm. tend to like explode in their second year and then they really need to go to the nfl sooner rather than later because there's a miles on the tire problem Mm -hmm. and like i can tell you from doing like my roster projects like when i find like you know you know this guy's coming back for his senior gear or like you know redshirt senior running back i'm like redshirt senior running back is the backup Um, you know, and if that guy's the starter, it means you've got a problem in your room, you know, and then like COVID exacerbates this, you know, like when I see a team that's like sixth year, you know, sixth year running back and I'm like sixth year running back and he didn't go to the NFL, like, um, uh, you know, there's real miles on the tire problem. On the other hand, there are other positions where, you know, they're, they're like fine wines, you know, like the older they get, you know the better they get, um, and, and just like the savvier they get in terms of like you know recognition and so forth. You know, like linebackers. You know, like there are linebackers Safety, who like
1: offensive linemen.
0: Yeah, uh, the linebackers in particular like it, 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 their their skill set looks like a hockey stick. You know, where like I've seen linebackers where they like suck for for four years. And then as a senior, it just like it takes off like something just clicks for him. Like, I mean, there's a lot of positions where I mean, almost every position in some sense gets better, you know, over time. Uh, uh, But like, oh, man, linebackers really. And then quarterback is the other one. Like, there's so many, you know, coming. Hell, we did. We didn't, you know, before you came on staff, we did a two part, you know, series project about, you know, uh, Oregon senior quarterbacks. And like, yeah something really clicks you know and, and then this COVID year you know we're we're seeing this whole thing where you have like effectively guys who've been in school for like six years and mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah and then sometimes you have a ninth year doctorate tight end <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh it is yeah um i mean who, who wouldn't want to retire and in, in in florida <laughs> south <laughs> beach you know that's where you go um <laughs>
1: he's gonna uh that man is gonna he's gonna retire from football and be eligible for,
0: <laughs> social, for, security. for social security <laughs> i mean like if, if anybody deserves it though like the amount of rehab that he had to go through oh, yeah. you know it's like he's already been through a senior citizens you know amount you know rounds of rehabilitation you know mm-hmm. like he he did the senior citizen thing first you know <laughs> um uh yeah so you know you're you're absolutely right the way that sort of covid uh you know scrambles the record books it it hasn't just played it you know like i've been primarily interested in seeing certain teams that are like that are built to so like as as the the, the transfer portal and certain like roster management tools have really gotten liberalized over the last several years. Um, y- you've seen a lot of teams at one end of sort of the talent spectrum kind of stop doing the red shirt thing with, with the exception of certain positions like offensive linemen where it really, you know, really and truly, you know the 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 older you are, the better you are, and you really do want you know to homegrown those guys and and have them stick around. You know, no matter what the you know talent profile of your team is, you know, but those guys are sort of the exception. I'd um, say
1: defensive secondary is another one where the game slows down so much for players in the mm. in the second year. But that, I I take, it, I was a cornerback in in middle school and high school. I will not say I was ever good enough to play college ball at the division one level. Um, but I can tell you that the difference from one year to the next in a system is tremendous when you're playing defensive back.
0: But for a lot of other positions, even ones like at the defensive line, where I would have considered them to be, up until recently, you know, I sort of would go with the conventional wisdom of like, hey, no freshmen on the lines, you know, offensive or defensive. Um, I, I'm I'm turning <laughs> around you on that.
1: Oregon's too deep this year. I, I know, line? man,
0: I'm turning around on that question. Oregon or deep three brother, but but
1: runs three deep.
0: But it's not just this year at Oregon, and it's not just Oregon. You can find a bunch of other schools, you know, uh, and find examples, you know, of them on the defensive line and at other positions, um, where like, nah, they do. They just have the the true freshman play, and if you're good enough, you're old enough, as Dan Lanning likes to say. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's just superior or high school you know, you know, more professionalized, you know, prep ranks, or they're just finding the freaks better, um, or what, I don't know what it is, but like, yeah, at, at a certain end of the talent, you know, spectrum or, or the, you know, the teams at the top that are getting those types of players, they've sort of stopped caring uh, about red shirting, you, you know, they're sort of like, you, you know, it, when we get a guy who's good enough to play as a true freshman first of all we're expecting to get that type of player you know that that's the type of you know recruiting profile that we're doing now mm-hmm. and second of all that like when we get that guy you know whoever wins in fall camp or, or whatever like or whoever's just best this week like that's it you're playing like and and the idea of like oh we need to like oh you already put in your your four games i guess we can't play you because we're preserving your red ship red shirt and, and we're planning. 5 years down the road like that doesn't really exist anymore for for a lot of teams you know and for a lot of teams whose talent profile looks like Oregon and yet having said all that there are still schools on the other end of the the spectrum that are the other way and the sort of the liberalization of you know, roster management and the COVID holiday have also benefited them where they're like, oh yeah, our team is made up entirely of sixth year seniors. And the reason that they're sixth year seniors is because of the COVID holiday and to your project, like, oh yeah, there are those dudes who, you know, they've racked up six years worth of stats at their school and those records are never going to be broken because like, god knock on wood when the hell else are there's is there gonna be six years worth of playing time you know for any given kid at a school like i i sure hope not you know
1: yeah well you also figure usually if someone's a sixth year or seventh year there's an injury year in there there's an there's like yeah. an extra year where they weren't
0: actually playing um well they they played like their four years and then shut it down and preserved their red shirt Mm-hmm. And then some other year they played a little bit and got hurt and then were awarded a medical red shirt. Yeah. And then they got to play the COVID season and that was a free eligibility holiday, yeah. you know, so they managed to like put all of this playing time together in the meantime, like actual chronological time didn't stop. And, you know, they were, they were able to take advantage of the training table and watching film and, you know, you know, time with their teammates and their coaches and the system and so forth. So they were still getting older and wiser and, and so forth. So like, yeah, you know, sixth or seventh year, you know, in the program, they, they're really kicking butt, you know, uh, yeah. And like,
1: well, it's like man, some those- of the schools where they take a, a mission before Mm -hmm. they play um and i know that a lot of those while they're on their mission they have like a training schedule that they're keeping so
0: those are really interesting i've i've studied you know i I, i've been studying utah for a long time now but then Oregon played byu in 2022 and so you know i use all the same you know roster database tracking tools you know to, to track you know those types you know at a conference opponents as well and like and you know talked to um you know the lockdown cougs uh, guys you know as well for a podcast and it turns out they have like very sophisticated software for keeping track of LDS mission you know folks and like uh uh yeah it's a, it's very interesting to see how both utah and uh byu and it, those aren't the only schools are no, that are no oregon has
1: players that yeah I mean, we- we had one, uh, was it Logan Salopalu? Uh, mm-hmm. Butcher names was supposed to take a mission and then COVID canceled yeah. it for him. So, and we, um, have, but, uh, we have a commit right now that's on mission, don't we? Uh,
0: yes. Um, and they're going after another who's currently committed to, to Boise State, but they've had a coaching change and so mm-hmm. Oregon's going after that wide receiver. Um, uh, but anyway, the, um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, sometimes those guys come back and, and you know from mission and they're like even more ready to play. You know, and sometimes they come back from mission and it's like, oh boy, you had a lot of lime jello on your mission, kid. Like,
1: too many lumpia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah that that can be a double edged sword. Um, but yeah, yeah. As, as as to the point of your article, like it's um it it is it is interesting to sort of track like the like how you keep track of records because the idea that everybody is just they arrive at their their school they have five to play for uh you know they complete that and then off they go and so everything is apples to apples um like oh my god like it's it's barely true for anybody you know mm-hmm. B- between transfers and covid and you know and 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 uh and and injuries and like who gets to to count where and as you say lds missions and uh and a thousand other things um like yeah how exactly you count up these records is uh <laughs> Yeah, it gets real tricky real fast.
1: It's easy. We just give Bo Nix the the Oregon record for career passing yards, and just call it a day.
0: Yeah, just give give him everything.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Justin, Marcus, don't don't at me over this.
0: I'll uh, I'll look forward to reading your article uh, uh, on Wednesday. Um, Let's take a break. Uh, We come back. We will uh, talk about Oregon's game against Oregon State. So speaking of a team um with a very, you know, different roster management strategy uh than Oregon that you know, it's definitely the team that I had in mind when I was on that little rant in the last segment. Um you know, it was uh uh you know, doing this doing my summer write-up of Oregon State. Um it, You know, in 2022, they had a really great season. It was led by their defense, although their offense was sort of of a piece of what they've been doing for the last, uh, the year before and then the year that was to come. Uh, uh, and, um, and for several years, I I had been telling anybody who'd listen that I thought that, you know, Jonathan Smith was pound for pound the best coach in the Pac-12 because I really liked all of his roster management. Um, and, and I thought you really saw it in 2022 when he had all of these, like, you know, just like I was saying in the last segment all of these like sixth year seniors who had been, they weren't guys who were like on the bench for five years. And then now they were finally playing. I mean that they were like really playing for like six years and like, you know, and they weren't the highest talent guys in the world, but it really, you know, clicks for them um, in, in that sixth year. And that's why, you know, they're really highly, you know, ranked defense. Like it was very clear and, and they had some NFL guys in the cornerback room. And, and um, and, uh, uh, you know, a couple other, like, high-level players, one of them, you know, the but but the thing is, is that, like, hey, you lose all of those guys, right, NFL guys go to the NFL, sixth-year seniors finally have to leave, the guy who's so good that LSU wants him, well, LSU pays him, and LSU gets him, you know, Um, so, like, you know, all those guys, you know, uh, 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 you know, or no longer on the team. And so then I'm going to write my, my summer preview and I'm like, well, let's see, you know, with all these liberalized roster management tools, you know, who did Jonathan Smith get to replace all those guys? And the answer was no one. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, and, 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 you know, when I, when I talked to our Oregon state contact, he was like, well, he's sort of just trusting the internal development here. And I'm like, the, you know, the, 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 same sort of internal development that produced all the guys from last year. And I'm like, that's not what happened last year. You know, what happened last year was guys who were like consistently playing at this school or their previous schools, you know, junior colleges or whatever, And so like they were sixth year seniors who had been playing for six years. These guys have not been, they've been on the bench. In fact, I went through in that podcast back in, I think it was May. And I was like, I can name 14 different players who are career bench warmers who are never going to play for Oregon state. Like they're never going to see the field and a more aggressive roster manager would have cleared them out. And gotten the the cap space, you know, to, to fill out the roster, you know, with transfers and strike while the iron is hot, you know, like they, they had just had a 10 win season that, you know, they could tell, you know, transfers, you know, like, I'm going to get you into the NFL. Look at all the dudes that I put into the NFL. Look at all the three stars and and no names that I put into the NFL, you know, come play for for Oregon State. And it's not just the defense, too. He needed to replace wide receivers and he needed to replace tight ends. And in particular, tight ends, because this was the other thing about breaking down their film, like that they need tight ends to help them block for their run game. Like their offensive line is well developed and they punch above their weight class because their offensive line coach is really good. Well, now Michigan State's offensive line coach. Um, But like (laughs) he, he he all that really means is that he's taking like three stars and walk ons and making them play better he's not making them like five stars, you you know, like they still need help. And if he doesn't have tight ends to help them, like this was, this has been clear. Like I've been writing about this for three years. Like when they try to run off the weak side without tight end help, their, their success rates in the run game go way down. Or when they split out the tight ends, and then do surprise runs, you know, not out of their under center tight formations like their success rates go way down because like the offensive line can't get it done on their own. And so they need tight ends. Well, they've been hemorrhaging tight ends for three years. They've been hemorrhaging tight ends. And and that was another position where Smith didn't go get anybody and they didn't get anybody at wide receivers. So we had the only two guys he had returning or two short slot receivers who he was playing on the outside and then he didn't get any replacements. And to the point where like he had, like literally dedicated blocking wide receivers. And that's how he was trying to fool people this year. He was like, oh, I'll line up in 11 personnel, you know, with just one tight end here to get defenses into their lighter defensive configuration. But then, ha ha ha, uh, I'm actually in like sneaky, sneaky pseudo 12 personnel because this wide receiver isn't really a wide receiver. He's a tight end or he's blocking like a tight end would. Except, guess what? He's just the like two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver, and he would get smashed. Like he wasn't good enough to do that blocking. Like you know, and 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 so like it wasn't you know effective. So it's like okay, you have a wide receiver who can't catch and he can't block. Like what the hell are you doing, John? Like, um, and, and so it's like all these different positions. And so I was writing in May. You know, I didn't quite come out and say. And so therefore, Oregon is going to murder them. Yeah. In, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. But like, I I thought it was very clear in my summer preview that I was appalled at just how complacent Jonathan Smith was. And then, you know, six months later, you know, exactly what I more or less you know if you could read between the lines at all in my summer preview what should have been clear was six months later Oregon's going to kill him for exactly all of these reasons because he doesn't have all the pieces that he needs to, to play at a high level against a quality opponent it's exactly what happened
1: yeah oh yeah you know well and, I know and this, I know this is
0: and, I've been talking for like six minutes a, no, about no 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 it's, it's just there was like something pigs. I wanted to
1: jump on it was uh, you know you, t- you said, why aren't we coaxing, you know, these great tight ends out of the transfer portal or receivers out of the transfer portal because they've been putting them in the league. and And I, and I pulled up their roster. They have eight tight ends on their roster this year.
0: Yeah, but like none of them, they, they, only one of them is worth a damn at all. Well, even he's not even a good blocker. He's or even really a great receiver. He's and they're just all the over 240
1: they... pounds. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like and you.
0: he's just the guy they throw it to in the red zone. And it's just an artifact. Like so many people got fooled by this, by his stats, because he's like he's the he is the tight end who has caught more touchdown passes than any other tight end in the country. That doesn't actually mean that he's this great receiver who's do or or pass catching tight end, who's doing it all on his own through phenomenal talent. It's because Oregon State can't run the ball effectively in the red zone because of the blocking problem that I've been talking about. They have to throw it and they can't throw it to their short wide receivers right cuz the the defense compresses so they can't yeah. run fade routes so it like by process of elimination the only person they can throw it to is that guy jack felling right and so Jonathan Smith he should be credited with one thing which is that Oregon State or and actually Washington while he was their offensive coordinator he he draws up actually really good red zone passing schemes and and wherever he's been at Washington while he was there and Oregon State while he's been there their red zone touchdown conversion percentage is always been like top five in the country he's it's one of the things that people don't people actually give him a lot of praise some of which I think is deserved some of which I don't but the part that I think is absolutely 100% deserved is he is a very clever um red zone uh a play designer um so like actually genuinely hats off to Jonathan Smith for that aspect of his his game um and Jack Velling that tight end is it's just by process of elimination He's the beneficiary of it, but it doesn't actually mean that he's this phenomenal tight end. He's just the guy like he's just he's just the product, you know, of that. Um so everybody got, just got fooled, you know, and, and so like he they, so when you say they've got eight tight ends, I'm like, like well, seven of
1: 19 them, receivers. So, so
0: <laughs> se- yeah, exactly. Seven of those tight ends aren't worth a damn and the eighth who is worth a damn isn't even really that like, you know, he's he's not, he ain't Terrence Ferguson or Patrick Herbert, you know, yeah. Um and like all of this is elucidated in my preview article. Like I was very clear about it because the film was very clear. And I, you know, cause it's the last game of the season. I have a, you know, a ton of film on them. And actually, because the team doesn't really change for years, I have like multiple years worth of very like <laughs> contiguous film, you know, on them. So it's like, it's, it's this hyper detailed article. And then like everything that are like came true is very, like very proud of this article. Um, uh, well, the game. And i know a
1: lot of people were sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there no no no. a lot of a people were talking about oregon state and you know my 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 cheering pattern is oregon the team from oregon whoever's playing usc so i i cheer for oregon state except in the civil war Uh um, oh, they didn't
0: they didn't get a chance to play usc this year unfortunately i, yeah, I know the because they didn't.
1: probably would have beat them this year because yeah. as bad as as uh dj occasionally self-destructed it was not as bad as the five interceptions that were Mm. thrown against usc uh previously and they still like they beat them in the coliseum and then i think it was to have it backwards and then lost at home with five interceptions but there were a lot of conversation that oregon state was a quarterback away yeah, from winning several games and well, they went out and they got a quarterback the problem was that quarterback was up and down and he tended to be down in the close games and up in the in the ones that I, you know his,
0: is interesting because like he definitely has like more of an arm like he's he, like when he connects there you can see the zip on the ball you know, he's definitely got a bigger arm and, and like they're for bigger passes. Um, And the other thing that should be like counted for him is, you know, when comparing him to previous Oregon State quarterbacks is that previous Oregon State quarterbacks all had better dudes to throw to. That is true. And, and again, that comes, it comes back to Jonathan Smith and just his failure to stock the cupboard. Um That said, the other thing that Jonathan Smith should have done is fire Brian Lindgren, the quarterbacks coach, because, like, that dude sucks, like, at developing quarterbacks. <laughs> and, like, all the problems that uh Uyunglele had at Clemson in terms of inconsistency and inaccuracy and, like, uh, it's sort of technical to get into, but, like, the way that he moves in the pocket and finds hot routes, like, is is lacking. Um and this is I don't know, this is difficult to 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 discuss over a podcast, but I'll just say that like the the, the the it's the kind of thing that you that is actually exactly what you hire a quarterbacks coach to do. Like a lot of what quarterbacks do is like born not made. Um, but there are other things that are very specific like that need to be taught. And mm-hmm. And the stuff that needs to be taught had been, is like, is the stuff that's missing from his game. And the fact that it's still missing, you know, the, uh, you know, that the, this late date is like, yeah, it's cause Lingren sucks. Like he's the worst quarterback coach in the PAC 12 now that Eric Morris is gone. Um, and so, yeah, that's another like strike against Jonathan Smith for like not recognizing and getting rid of that guy. Um, So like, yeah, you're right. Like the, the exact same like problem in terms of like efficiency and being able to get them out of third and long situations. I mean, their third and long conversion rate in uh, 2023 is identical to their third and long conversion rate in 2021 and 2022. And those were the years that, that people were like, you're a quarterback away, you know? So it's like, you're still a quarterback away, you know? Like, just because the guy throws it farther when they connect, right? It, it means that he's more explosive, but he's not more efficient. And efficiency was the problem, not explosiveness. So it's like you didn't actually solve the problem. Um, that said, he, he you know, he didn't have a terrible game against Oregon. You know, he, he, he connected on some passes. He took advantage of a couple of mistakes that Oregon make in the back end. You know, I wrote those up in my article. You um, damn
1: crossing routes being wide open
0: uh i mean yeah the deep the deep crossers yeah i mean oregon was making some mistakes in the back end definitely Mm -hmm. i mean part of that had to do with their sort of like real monomaniacal focus on stopping the run um which which you know they kept them in certain like personnel packages that left them a little like short short manned in the back end and they were sort of like okay well we dare you dj ue to beat us over the top and he was like okay and then he did you know, so it was sort of like, oh, all right, <laughs> good, good for you, kid. And the other thing that I'll say is that, like, he was getting the most pressure that he's probably ever seen in his career um, in that game. And he didn't really like he had some balls batted down and he got hit while he was throwing on several occasions. But like, that's different from. You know when you were physically being hit you know or when the ball is being hit that's not you Mm -hmm. panicking that's like you physically or the ball physically being altered in its trajectory like the other thing is like quarterbacks panicking like making wrong decisions dropping their eyes you know that sort of thing i didn't see that at him at all like he was actually pretty cool customer um which i give that guy a lot of credit for um You know, like genuinely, like good, good, you know, good for him. And and I liked seeing the the scenes of him together with his brother. That was fun. That was that was nice.
1: I, I, I uh, was jumping up and down, like, and I was screaming my head off when mateo got that sack. And I was like, "What?" Like, it was his little brother.
0: I, I thought there was something so perfect about the fact that he sacked him without touching him by throwing the left tackle into his brother. Yeah. It was like the immaculate sack, you know, And <laughs> it, it, it's fun. The, I was, the bloodless sack. Yeah, you
1: know? I was actually standing next to my older brother. Um, remember, I mentioned I played defensive back in high school. My brother mm-hmm. played receiver and I never got the chance to line up a, across from him. Uh. But. Had I, I would I, like, that would have been some, there would have been some penalties. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I can't say I could have run with him because he was good enough for division one and I was not, but you know, you, it's hard to run when you get knocked on your butt off the line. So uh, no, I was, I was cheering for that so much. And you know, I, your article, you you talk about the, you know, that laser focus on the run game, which, Forced them to beat us through the air and they had some success, but at the same time, Oregon has done better playing just putting its defensive backs on an island than any other team I have seen this yeah. year and and they've done it with a rotating cast of characters on the defensive back end. I mean, uh, that's s- true, you know, something they're, they're... like seven
0: different corners. This they're, year, they're really down. I mean, they're resting uh, 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 Florence in this game. You know, mm-hmm. they had Manning come in, Manning played a pretty good game, not mistake free, certainly, but you know, he played pretty good. Um, they uh, Addison has been you know, away from the team, uh, for something rather personal. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Evan Williams is playing with a club on his hand. Um, we they have... have a
1: clubby in the backside
0: yeah and a, like comically huge club too it was like a it was, it was like a diaper on his hand it was crazy <laughs> it's a bo- um, it
1: looked like a boxing glove yeah uh
0: really it, i group. mean it looked bigger than a boxing glove and then um and then and then uh 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 Kamar uh, 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 terrell was also out he he was a you know i mean he was a blue chip uh you know i think he's a, he's second year he's a 2022 recruit he, he might have been useful um mm-hmm they've I, I did in my article i expressed like some confusion about like why because like the there's one particular well, i mean there's two particular dudes who keep getting beaten coverage um and it's Taishim Johnson and uh and Steve Stevens and i mean i understand why they're playing Taishim Johnson and Steve Stevens i mean they're playing Stevens because Adams Addison is away from the team and they're playing Taishim Johnson because Johnson is super useful in the run game and the RPO game and like every other thing except for playing cover like like slot corner, like he's, you know, back him out and play like deep safety or, you know, have him come down in the box, you know, play against the run. Like, you know, anything other than playing Nico Reed's role, you know, like for the first,
1: is he playing at star? Is that where he's at?
0: Yes. That's where they, well, not always, because in other configurations they'll back him out and play true safety which which is the position that when i finished doing my film study on the guy i was like because he played at Ole miss where Ole miss plays a dime all the time defense which is stupid um but at Ole miss they would rotate him about 50 percent of the time they had him playing a sort of like a box safety because they don't have a, another linebacker they would have him playing what was a sort of effectively their third linebacker mm. and which like he wasn't good i'm like i'm sorry just he wasn't he wasn't great at. It. he's gotten better at that at oregon maybe because just like oregon's a better coach team but like it was a problem at Ole miss and so i was like hmm, i'm not loving this but the other 50 percent of the time at Ole miss he was playing like deep safety um and which he's fantastic and i was like oh, oh that's why they fielder got him.
1: when he's when he's out deep yeah uh,
0: I, I figured they got him to take you know steve steven's job away Um, and yeah, pretty much exactly, you know, what he had done at the beginning of the year. That's what they did. You know, the configuration was, uh, Nico Reed at, at, at slot corner, uh, Brian Addison as, you know, one of the safeties, you know, uh, And, uh, Evan Williams is another safety and then they would rotate, you know, so it would be like Nico Reed, you know, when it was like passing configurations, they would have Reed come in and play, you know, the slot corner. And then when it was, you know, and then in different configurations, they would have Johnson come in and either play star or they, you know, have him rotate, you know, as one of the deep safeties. So that's like, they had multiple different configurations. Well, with Addison out, um, they've sort of been going with Johnson like all the time you know ever mm. since week eight and it's not because Reed is injured I've been watching that one like a hawk I, I've been like spotting him on the sidelines at every game he's, he's not
1: hurt yeah
0: he, yeah but they've been like relegating him to garbage time and I don't get it it's not because he's played poorly and
1: is Martin playing too I saw Cole Martin a little bit, a bit. yeah he played Are they a- to he res- got the
0: interception at ASU
1: yeah are they trying to preserve a red shirt on him i
0: don't know i don't i mean he's good enough that they shouldn't be i don't i really don't get it like because like it's all over like it's constantly happening that johnson and stevens are getting beaten coverage and they're playing them on passing downs and it's like guys i don't I mean, look, they're smarter and better paid than I am. There's probably something going on that I don't understand, but I'm just stating what I don't understand. What I don't understand is when it's a passing down and by passing down, I mean, basically like second and long, third and long. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. little more complicated than that, but when you can like field position comes into play and there's some other stuff, but like. It When the situation is such that you can predict it's going to be a downfield pass, they ought to be taking those guys off of the field or somebody off of the field and putting Nico Reed in to play coverage because that's his job. That's what he, He's
1: he a cover did corner. at Colorado. Yeah.
0: And that's what he was doing for the first like six games. That Oregon played and it's not like he did anything wrong. He, he was grading out fantastically. And it's like, I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what. I don't understand. Like, and I understand the value of Taishim Johnson. The reason that I'm saying that is, is, not because I don't understand his value or anything. It's that there's on specific, you know, passing downs. Mm-hmm. He's like in coverage, they have a better option. And especially as they're in a situation where they have, they're getting shorthanded at safety and the cup sort of runneth over at corner because they have, you know uh, uh uh Jackson and Manning and even with Florence out you know they also have Reed and they have the freshman Austin and Pleasant and Triquez Bridges like the couple they've got way more corners than they can play at any given moment Well, but and they're Bridges running
1: started out as a safety I don't
0: understand why he's right. not getting more run in that role right you know that they, they've got ways of saw on the meantime they're they're out Addison they're out terrell evans has a club on his hand uh uh, johnson you know and stevens have some coverage problems uh and it's like guys you know i don't understand why you're not solving this problem by you know and, and reed is the bridge and potentially and potentially you know bridges Bridges is the bridge, the no pun intended. Um, And Cole Martin is the bridge where, you know, those are guys that you could potentially have playing, you know, who are in technically the cornerback room, but you could like have playing in the middle of the field to help solve this, you know, attrition problem and coverage problem, the safeties. And I, they're sort of like steadfastly refusing to do it. And they're giving up passing, you know, conversions and penalties, well, and I don't Yeah, no, I know, I know. But hey man, some of them have been earned. Like yeah. I I mean I did the film study. I mean one of them's in my article where it's like look, there's I mean there's a play where like literally the blocking wide receiver like earns his paycheck because like he's committing offensive pass interference. Like he just straight up runs into Taishim, I think it's I think it's Taishim Johnson. I, I yeah 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 yep. and, and, and he grabs him and so it's like you're getting blocks you should play yeah. you should be getting an opi flag but instead you get a dpi flag because instead of letting this dude who is never going to catch a ball instead of letting him go you grab onto him and now you're getting a dpi flag oh and also steve stevens gets his hips flipped even though they're bailing purchase out into covering the underneath throwing lane, you get your hips flipped and you give up the pass to the tight end, the tight end that I just spent like five minutes talking about who can't catch passes in the middle of the field. Like, uh, you know, like it was so stupid like that, that pass pissed me off so much. Like, it was such, like, a a confluence of, like, here's Oregon getting a a stupid penalty when the opponent is the one who should have got the penalty. You have Stevens screwing up in coverage. You're losing one of the benefits of doing a sim, you know, so you're losing the whole point of doing a mint defensive structure. It was just like, this is, you know, and you've got the wrong personnel on the field in the passing down. Well, it's just like, Jesus Christ, guys, figure it out. Like, this is the only way they're going to move the ball because you're killing them in the run game. It's just like... Oh, and you're going to play Washington next week.
1: Yeah. just just happened. Think that you think the they didn't dreadliest... watch that film?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's enough of that rant. Yeah, well,
1: I, I was, I talked about, you know, we've, we've kind of thrived, lived and died by having defensive backs in man coverage on an Island. And after it was pretty clear that we were shutting down the run, I don't understand why we kept seven in the box. Or five in the box. Or Sorry, yeah, five or Were six they in the really, box. No,
0: they, they backed off on that a, a bit. Like, they they started out the game, like, really show of force, you know, where it was, like, two nose tackles to the, both of the giant ends, you know, Dortalis and Birch and Funa, you know, on, on the line, which is just, like, the, the heaviest configuration they can possibly. They, they literally cannot put a heavier configuration on the field. Yeah. And literally the first two... So that was Oregon's configuration, the first two plays. Literally, I mean, yes. Oregon State's first two responses to that were passing plays and successful passing plays. And like... You know, Oregon State sort of communicated like, okay, well, if that's what you're gonna do, you know. And yeah. so like Oregon kind of cooled it, you know, after that. And they sort of went to their back to their sort of like standard personnel matching where it's like, Okay, we'll play our three, three, five when you're in eleven and we'll play our, you know, three, four when you're in twelve. And yeah, and we'll just sort of play our normal you know defense you're right about you know the the putting guys on islands in the back end and we'll just like if you beat us through the air you beat us through the air which like I like I, I get it. I mean I wish they had better you know safety coverage um mm-hmm. but like I, I get it but it's not like they were crowding the box you know like they they weren't like I mean they weren't bringing safeties down. Uh, like i don't like when when someone says something like you know selling out to stop the run to me what that means is bringing additional personnel from the back end of the defense down into the box in order to help stop the run and giving up pass coverage uh and and like oregon never did that like
1: but i think we could have shifted some like You know, Jamal Hill and Jeffrey Bossa are both converted safeties playing linebacker Mm -hmm. and they can very easily drop back into coverage or even just kind of spy, you know, where it's their, their responsibility as the quarterback. If he, you know, if there's a gap, go get him. If there's not, Mm. just kind of stand back and take away those underneath crossing routes. But I don't want to see, you know, Brandon Dorless dropping back into coverage. Well, he, he wasn't like he did. I no, didn't go look it's... at your film review again. You actually captured like two different plays where he like simmed and then backed off into coverage Brandon oh, doorless okay. backing oh. off into his own
0: i mean okay like that but that's not uh, I don't thinking, know what what I'm point thinking. are you making like i or... that we could
1: have Once we'd established that we were going to stop the run, like we, not that we were selling out, but we, we took away their run game and they were beating us over the top and they kept hitting those same cross, like deep crosses and then deep outs. It's like, okay,
0: shift. I mean, not, they were intermediate, not deep. Their last passing play was 19 yards.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about the 10 yard crossers and outs, um, which I consider, you know, I guess that's intermediate. Uh, Put, you know, Put one of your linebackers back, or swap one of your three linebacker spots with an actual designated defensive back, and you know, say, okay, you've you've we've stopped you from running. You've been getting it done with the pass. Now we're gonna see, make you go back to try and use. Running I mean, ends. they never. I mean, the they
0: never had a third inside linebacker on the field. Like, I don't what inside line. Do you want them to go third, down to a one inside linebacker look? Third linebacker. I mean, they
1: because we were running what it's the mint but it's like a a four three effectively
0: no no it's i mean it's a three it it, they never got any you you're you, you i mean if what you're asking for is to go to a dime package like like they i mean they weren't gonna go like yeah we don't run a dime I know Oregon does run a dime, but like they weren't going to go to a dime against this offense. Like they weren't going to let them establish the run like at all. Like you're, I mean, you're, if that's your point, you're right. Like Oregon was, you know, they were, they were willing to take whatever damage Oregon state was going to do in the passing game. Uh, uh, you know, um, Like, if what it would have taken in order to completely shut down Oregon State's passing game would be going to a dime and therefore, uh, you know, allowing them to establish the run, like, no, that was a bridge too far. They weren't going to do that. Like, and so, like, their strategy would be, like, we're going to shut down the run, and if that means, like, sometimes you hit some passes, like you know we'll live with that we don't think that you can pass enough to win this game and they were right you know oregon state only put up seven points so they you know even that was sort of like penalty assisted yeah Yeah.
1: well but they did you know they did one thing it was our lowest scoring output of the season
0: yeah that was i mean that was i think that wasn't really because Oregon state was playing keep away with the ball though. That was Oregon screwing up in the red zone. Like, you know, Oregon had multiple opportunities to score that they, they came away with no points that, you know, they had a missed field goal. They had a, uh, 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 well, and they also sort of, you know, played a low possession game, which I still, I've been turning this over in my head. I still don't really understand why they did that. like, you know, their first drive was 15 plays, of which mm-hmm. 10 were runs. And they took like eight minutes off the clock. I don't really understand why they did that. Like to, sort of, to prove that they could. Like, was that psychological? I think it was,
1: honestly. They, you remember there was a billboard that said we own the trenches with Oregon State players on it in Eugene. Mm. Like that's that's picking a fight.
0: OK, I'm going to say something now. Which is, it's because it's, it's getting late at night and I'm getting a little loopy. But like, rivalry games are stupid and make you do <laughs> stupid things. And I'm actually kind of, and, and, and I was thinking about this all throughout watching the Ohio State versus Michigan game. And just thinking, this, is, this game is terrible. And I don't actually think these teams are, are like top five teams at all. Like both of those teams look like mid as hell to me. And and like they don't play any teams for the entire season. Like their entire season is one day long, and it's each other, and it's like mm-hmm. they hate each other, but they're totally codependent on each other. Like like it, 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 if football teams were people, it, like they they would be like a, a, a an abusive, codependent, married couple who yeah. like hate each other but could never get divorced because they need each other um and like because like they're like what is ohio state without michigan what is michigan without ohio state they don't play anybody their entire playoff resume is each other because it sure as hell ain't penn state or no game. yeah exactly so it's just like you know and for all the people who are like it's insane to to talk about firing ryan day for for losing to michigan three games in a row like what are you paying him to win Oh he he's he's won every other game that he played. He didn't beat Mario Cristobal. You know, he doesn't he doesn't beat the other team, you know, like with the exception of James Franklin who who is for all I know is taking a a, a paycheck to lose to Michigan and Ohio State cuz he does every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh like 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 I I ran out his numbers uh, for teams that are like top 16 in recruiting uh excluding penn state james franklin he's like four and seven like he he's he's terrible at 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 teams that are like comparable to his talent ranking um of course that's Mm -hmm. basically michigan and and oregon and then playoff teams um but he's like he's bad like uh, he's not a good coach when you know you're supposed to be 50 percent at comparable teams uh or better and he's not he's way worse so like yeah i'm i'm all like yeah i definitely think they should fire ryan day i don't think he's a good coach um anyway (laughs) like you know what ryan day has not done is
1: he hasn't lost to purdue uh (laughs) everyone talks about urban urban meyer's like oh urban meyer always beat michigan yeah but he lost to purdue and struggled against tennessee
0: tech i'm going somewhere with this which is that like rivalry games make you lose your mind um like there's i mean go look up the uh go look at parker fleming's you know how bad did we really get beat you know net success rate like ohio state outplayed michigan and they lost because of bad coaching decisions you know like the the fourth down call um, i can't
1: imagine what that's like
0: yeah right uh well <laughs> but it was the opposite one he chickened out he should have gone for it hmm. and like he didn't understand uh he didn't understand that he had a big advantage running against Michigan. Um, uh, Like he was trying to feed his, his, his stud, you know, Marvin Harrison, it wasn't working. Like anyway, I was sitting there thinking that the whole time after I had watched, you know, Oregon, you know, as you say, you know, maybe play to the billboard and like in Oregon state, and like all the chippiness in the game with like suplexes that were stupid, and like Oregon State was tripping players and the refs weren't calling it. Yeah, and and like I mean, there was it was lucky there wasn't a brawl in this game. Rivalries make you do stupid, shit. um, and, well, and well, rivalries are real dumb out of bounds. It, yeah, well, I, I that wasn't a dirty hit, like it wasn't it, no, not the
1: one that we got flagged for, the one that, that they didn't that hurt, um.
0: Yeah, I I know the one that Gary Bryant, Bryant, but it wasn't like I I, I guess you were in the stadium. I got to see that on TV. I was maybe one of the few examples of like seeing it on TV. You got a better angle like it wasn't it wasn't out of bounds and it wasn't dirty. It was just an an unfortunate thing for him to have gotten hurt on. But it it was it was perfectly fine. Like anyway, um, my, my here's like. One of the weird kind of perverse, you know, perverse logic. I'm actually really looking forward to Oregon going to the Big Ten because you know what the Big Ten is full of? Teams with trophy games. They've got like a shit ton of trophy games. They got the old oaken bucket and they've got the little brown jug and they've got the eggs yeah. and the Paul, They've got like three different trophies that are named after Paul Bunyan for some reason. And like they're, they got trophies coming out the yin yang, man. Like you, David Pollock, like my hero on ESPN, at, at some point on game day years and years ago, like, uh, you know, somebody, you know, comments, ah, the Big Ten, you know, which leads the league in, in rivalry trophies. And, and David Pollock, who, remember, played, you know, defensive line at Georgia, says, got to play for something.
1: Because <laughs> there's nothing else to play for.
0: Not in the Big Ten. Um, and I was just like, oh, man, <laughs> it was a good one. Anyway, uh, yeah. And, and, and guess what Oregon gets to do next year? They get to walk in with like a more or less clean slate. And, and, and I believe like almost every one of those teams in the Big Ten, like Oregon's won their last game against them. Like, you know, Oregon la- famously last won their last game against Michigan. Oregon won their last game against Ohio State. Oregon won their last game against Purdue We're going to win their last game against Indiana or won their last game, several games against Wisconsin and Michigan state. You Uh, know, there might be one
1: exception and it's really stupid, but I, did we lose to Nebraska?
0: No, Oregon beat Nebraska in the second game, the Willie Taggart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oregon or, yes. won their last game against USC and UCLA. They didn't win their last game against Washington, although they're going to chance to fix that on Friday. Like, I, I mean, there may be some team that they haven't played since like the seventies that they haven't like, Oh, it turns out they've only played Rutgers. two games against Minnesota and they never beat them or something like that. But like, you know, with that exception, like Oregon's going to walk into that and they're not going to have like, there's no baggage. Right. Like the Big Ten is replete with baggage and like the baggage makes you do stupid stuff. And what we saw against Oregon State was stupid stuff. And what I kept seeing in the Michigan, Ohio State game was stupid stuff. And if your theory is correct about Oregon playing to the billboard was stupid stuff. Like in in all I want to do when I'm charting and coming up with strategies and or trying to predict strategies is like, don't do stupid stuff like, man. I kind of like the idea of walking into a conference where there's no baggage and just being the most talented team, but without any hangups. Like mm-hmm. that could be pretty good.
1: I'm I'm just waiting for all of the comments because uh, we're going to have one of the smallest stadiums in the Big Ten. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, f- fewer fewer tickets for them to buy, I guess.
1: I guess. Phil, Uncle red. Phil, get on that.
0: Yeah. All right, we should wrap it up there before I get any loopier and insult uh our <laughs> Oregon's new home uh, anymore. Uh uh you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Kevin? Uh
1: You know, I probably I probably do if I had anything going on in my head other than my last two brain cells fighting over third place. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, I hope maybe if you rub them together, you'll, you'll have a lightning bolt uh, come together. Of course, it never rains on this podcast.